Never fuck with true religion Am I down with the devil? Come my roof, come a missing It's that Lucifer juice And that two cup be sipping That's do say, baby Welcome to the dark side <laughs> Could've got blacklist For the crack shit White Jesus in my crock pot I mixed the shit with some soda Now black Jesus turned water to wine And all I had to do was turn the stove up East Coast Winning that life, nigga, cheat code The hating is flicking, hit your free throws The devil try to hit me with the Rico Them black people Devil want these niggas hate their own kind Gotta be the Illuminati if a nigga shine Oh, it can't be your nigga if a nigga rich Oh, it gotta be the devil, that's a nigga shit You seen what I did to the stopping frisk Brooklyn on the Barney's like we on the bitch Get the money to the hood, now we all win Got that Barney's floor looking like a V.I.M. Black hoodie, black scully Bravado like Mavado, boy, I'm that gully Getting white money, but I'm still black All these niggas claiming king, but I'm still lack King Hova, Mansa, Musa From a lot of devil was a lie, I'm the truth, yeah Big guns, big whips Rich nigga talking big shit Double cup, gold wrist Double up on that blow, bitch Two mil on that I-95 Buy your head, cause it's time to pay ties Opposition want me dead or alive Motherfucker, but the devil is alive The devil is alive Bitch, I'm the truth The devil is alive, bitch I'm the proof The devil is alive, the devil is alive, bitch I'm alive The devil is alive Church
Suavemente, bésame, que quiero sentir tus labios besándome otra vez. Suavemente, bésame, que quiero sentir tus labios besándome otra vez. Suave, bésame, bésame, suave, bésame otra vez. Suave, yo quiero sentir tus labios suave.
ratchets, hold up. I said ratchets, ratchets, hold up. I know who you came here to see. If you a freak, then you come on with me. And I know what you came here to do. Now bust it open, let me see you get loose. It's going down for real. By limousines, fuck my touch, say it's the Midas. We the plush on man the minus. My team blowing on that slam, make you cough, cough, that's bronchitis. Put your hands up, uh, it's a stick up, no more makeup. Get that ass on the floor, ladies, put your lipstick up. Double entendre, double entendre. Why you hating? I get money, then I double up conquer. I know who you came here to see. If you a freak, then you come on with me. And I know what you came here to do. Now bust it open, let me see you get loose It's going down for real It's going down for real It's, it's going down for real It's going down for real It's, it's going down
then Senator Joe Biden. Has rocked for a long, long time. Now it's time for him to pass the torch. He has songs of There's a bunch of stuff and malarkey. He has soared on the wings of Barack Obama. the torch to a new generation of Americans. Millennials. Joe Biden. Vice President Biden. Dissection of the Miami debates. How are you guys tonight? Come on in, everybody. Come on in. Come on in. Fill out the front rows here. I'm so excited to see you. I don't know if you if it's gonna come through, but uh, uh, my excitement to see all of you is a uh, 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 heart racing. As it turns out. Uh, scheduling a show on the busiest party night of Pride Weekend where the weather is like sell your soul gorgeous is a challenging environment to ask people to pay $18 so I can tell jokes about Joe Biden. <laughs> but yet you're here. And now we're all best friends. If you don't know who I am, uh, my name is Justin Robert Young. I do a podcast called Politics, Politics, Politics. Uh, I am a comedian and a writer. I love campaigns. I, I love uh, what goes into a political machine. I love how candidates have to shape themselves, how they have to message what they think is important, and ultimately have that one skill that all politicians need to have, which is to get people into a booth to press their button more than their opponents can get people into a booth to press their button. So, 
You might be asking yourself, even coming here to listen to me make fun of these debates, why? Why are these debates? Why are there 20 candidates on stage? Why did it happen over two nights? Well, there's a couple answers to that. Here's the first one. Normally, politics runs in a fairly predictable cycle. People get very excited for an election. They all learn words and phrases that they would never know otherwise. They all uh, fall in love with politicians that they'll eventually have to do the shame scrape of their bumper sticker off their Honda Civic. And then they stop, right? They, they stop caring about it. They go on to other things. I don't know, like fishing or something. Uh, but not this time, right? <laughs> like 2016 happens. Donald Trump becomes president and everybody stays exactly as engaged as they were at the height of everybody being engaged for a presidential election. And that really hasn't stopped, to be totally honest with you. Uh, in fact, it's fueled a Patreon that's allowed me to make a living. So thank you. <laughs> but that means that now that we are back at the harvest time, a presidential election, that now there's a lot of eyeballs on who's going to try to unseat Donald Trump. So a lot of people want a piece of that. But to be honest, hundreds of people run for president every single cycle. We just don't see them. We don't hear about them. The, uh, the process between the parties and the media, they weed out all the loons. But then this other thing happened after 2016 which is that people really wanted to watch things about politics. They wanted to watch town halls. They wanted to watch little mini debates. They wanted to watch live speeches. So why do we have 20 candidates up on stage over two nights? Because on night one, 15 million people watched. And on night two, 19 million people watched those debates. That is 19 people and 15 people that are now aware because of the ad block that was sold by NBC that Hobbs and Shaw starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Jason Statham is in theaters on August 2nd. It's a massive cash grab. So what we're going to do is walk you through both nights. And since we have so many people on stage, we have so much star power in both of these debates, it is only natural that we start off our night one coverage, which by the way, only had one of the top five polling candidates. By random draw, four ended up on the other night. One happened to be on the Wednesday. So we have to begin with our natural starting point. Ladies and gentlemen, charismatic showman, superstar, Tim Ryan. <laughs> Ladies, just meet Tim Ryan. Here's Tim Ryan. Don't sell your house to people in Youngstown, Ohio. And in his administration, just in the last two years, we lost $4,000 uh, $4, jobs at a General Motors facility that rippled throughout our community. General Motors got a tax cut. General Motors got a bailout. And then they have the audacity to move a new car that they're going to produce to Mexico. I've had family members that have to unbolt a machine from the factory floor, put it in a box, and ship it to China. 
My area. I have one Tim Ryan joke. <laughs> one Tim Ryan joke. Here it is. Tim Ryan looks like Mark Zuckerberg's father who keeps asking him when, he's going, when is he going to stop goofing around with these computers and get a union job. That's my Tim Ryan joke. One of the candidates, and this is something that you're going to hear me talk about a lot, is that a, an effective way that if you are a lesser-known candidate that you can get attention is by being a single-issue candidate. You can own one issue. Even big candidates really need to have one issue that they care the most about, but you need to have it be kind of your like wrestling gimmick if not a lot of people know you. One of those candidates is Jay Inslee. Jay Inslee is uh, uh, the climate change candidate. Every single time that somebody asks him any question, would you, look, uh, would you like fries with that? I don't know. How will it affect the environment? I have a three-point policy about how it should. This is everything that he does. Environment, 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 environment. But every once in a while, you got to be worried about getting out of your lane. Maybe you're out of your depth. You start talking about things that you shouldn't talk about, and you will wind up being punished for it. So let's go ahead and see from night one a little example of what happens when a single-issue candidate gets out of his lane and gets punished for it by Jay Inslee and Senator Amy Klobuchar. Who has passed a law protecting a woman's right of reproductive health and health insurance. And I'm the only candidate who has passed a public option. And I respect everybody's goals and plans here. But we do have one candidate that's actually advanced the ball. And we got to have access for everyone. I've done it Your as a public time option. Is up, Governor. Senator, 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 Senator Klobuchar, I want to give you a false claim. I'm fascinated by this, Senator Klobuchar. I just want to say there's three women up here that have fought pretty hard for a woman's right to choose. So I'll start with that. Oh, shit! You fucked up, Captain Planet! There was one star on night one and one star alone. That was Elizabeth Warren. She is the highest polling. She has the most name recognition. She was the best, in my opinion. After watching all uh, of night one, I think she did the best. But she got some easy questions. I mean, I'm not saying that the fix was in or anything. I'm not trying to feed into any conspiracies. I'm just saying she didn't exactly get a lot of piercing questions. Here's an example of one of the questions that she got. Senator Warren, question. would you put limits on, uh, any limits on abortion? I would make certain that every woman has access to the full range of reproductive health care services. Elizabeth Warren, leading candidate on stage in a Democratic debate. Are you pro-choice? Well, Lester, as a matter of fact, I am. <laughs> Rapturous applause. One of the other things that Elizabeth Warren has is a slogan. She writes a lot about her policy positions. She releases them a lot. She puts them out on Medium. She has made a big deal about this. I have a plan for that. That's her slogan. That's her catchphrase. She says it a lot. So 
I mean, I, again, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm not here to tell you that NBC was trying to make Elizabeth Warren look good. But if they were, theoretically, maybe they would mention her catchphrase no less than three times in asking her a question that ended with her catchphrase. To get to, including a big one coming up in a minute. But Senator Warren, I want to continue on the Mitch McConnell thing because you have a lot of ambitious plans. You I have do. a plan for that. Okay. We talked about the Supreme Court. Do you have a plan to deal with Mitch McConnell if you don't beat him in the Senate? If he's still sitting there as the Senate Majority Leader, it's very plausible you be elected president with a Republican Senate. Do you have a plan to deal with Mitch McConnell? I do. All right. I can't believe we got this far in the show. We haven't gotten to the best part. The best part of night one, it got off to a hot start. Or should I say, caliente. <laughs> this is Beto O'Rourke. This economy has got to work for everyone. And right now we know that it isn't. And it's gonna take all of us coming together to make sure that it does. Necesitamos incluir cada persona en el éxito de esta economía. Pero si queremos hacer eso, necesitamos incluir cada persona en nuestra democracia. Uh, cada votar. <laughs> Just look at their faces. They're both wondering who accidentally stepped on the SAP button. <laughs> it's just an awkward way to do it. A lot of people spoke Spanish during the debates. The debates were in Miami. Uh, it was totally fine, right? There's a, a tremendous Latino uh, or Hispanic audience that uh, needs to be spoken to by the Democratic Party if any of these guys are going to win the nomination. But I don't know, man. Give some warning. <laughs> like, have a little context. Make a point about why you're saying it because this was the most memed moment of night one. This was my favorite of all the memes. Pero si queremos hacer eso, necesitamos incluir cada persona en nuestra democracia. Uh, cada votar, cada, cada votante necesitamos la representación y cada voz necesitamos eso. <laughs> Do you know how bad you have to fuck up for Cory Booker to be the human person we can all relate to? <laughs> Cory Booker's a weird guy. He's an odd dude. You might like him. He might have the right ideas. He may even be president, but He's an odd duck, right? He's, he's had a, a humanitarian problem in that he has a hard time relating to humans. He just does weird things. He does weird, odd things. Like, he's got this habit of tweeting a joke. He tweets the same joke. He's tweeted the same joke for 10 years. This is the joke. Sleep and I broke up again. I'm back with coffee. She is hot. 
This is not something he's tweeted once. He's tweeted it over and over and over and over and over. Over a 10-year period, he has tweeted it at least once or twice a year. He's just, I mean, it's just, uh, I don't know. He's got a hard time uh, uh, connecting with people. And I'll tell you what, here's something that you guys might not have picked up on. This is why you, you come to this show, you learn a little bit, you know, a little, 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 little subterfuge. Cory Booker got kind of like stealth knifed during this debate. You might not have noticed it. It was by Bill de Blasio. Bill de Blasio is the current mayor of New York City. Bill de Blasio has zero chance of being president. <laughs> but he does have a tremendous chance of ending somebody else's campaign for president. Because if you get elected in New York City, you're used to talking wild shit about your opponents. You get good at it. He's got a lot of practice. So this was... We'll, we'll go ahead and watch the clip. Maybe you'll realize it, maybe you won't, but I'm going to explain it as soon as it's done. This is Bill de Blasio stealth knifing Cory Booker. It sets me apart from all my colleagues running in this race. And that is for the last 21 years, I've been raising a black son in America. And I have had to have very, very serious talks with my son, Dante, about how to protect himself on the streets of our city and all over this country including how to deal with the fact that he has to take special caution because there have been too many tragedies between our young men and our police, too, as we saw recently in Indiana. So we need to have a different conversation in this country about guns, but also a different conversation about policing that brings police and community together. We've done that in New York City, and we've driven down crime while we've done it. Fine speech. Why does Cory Booker look like he just smelled a fart? I'll tell you why Cory Booker looks like he just smelled a fart. Because he actually just got slammed by Bill de Blasio, and you might not have noticed it. Here's why. Because as, as soon as white Bill de Blasio says, I have a black son and I'm the only candidate running that has a black son, a lot of people, the 15 million people that watch this, many of which don't follow politics, that have no idea who half these people up there are on, they're meeting everybody for the first time, you would understand the curiosity that you look up on stage, you see a black guy, and you wonder, wait a minute, did he like screw up? Let me Google Cory Booker. You find out that Cory Booker does not have a child. Cory Booker is unmarried. Both of these things are just out of sorts for the people that normally become president. Normally, when you become president, you have already reproduced. And folks, as Cory Booker has no doubt found out, no matter how much cream you put in it, you can't get a cup of coffee pregnant. <laughs> oh, that joke was so stupid. I'm glad you guys liked it. <laughs> Beto O'Rourke also really screwed up. This is a real, real, real problem for him, and uh, I think it might be fatal to his campaign. Let's go ahead and take a look at Beto O'Rourke getting his ass handed to him by Julian Castro. 
I helped to introduce legislation that would ensure that we don't criminalize those who are seeking asylum and refuge I'm in this country. If you're about, fleeing, if you're fleeing desperation, asylum, then I'm I want to make about, sure I'm I want to make sure that you're treated else. with respect. I'm still talking about everybody but, else. But you're looking at just one small part of this. I'm talking about a comprehensive rewrite of our immigration that's laws. That's not true. And if we do that, I don't think not, it's asking too much not for true. people I'm to follow about, our laws when they come to this country. I'm talking about millions of folks. A lot of folks that are coming are not seeking asylum. A lot of them are undocumented immigrants, right? And you said recently that the reason you didn't want to repeal Section 1325 was because uh, you were concerned about human trafficking and, and drug trafficking. But let me tell you what, Section 18, uh, Title 18 of the U.S. Code, Title 21 and Title 22 already cover if human trafficking. I think that you should do your homework on this issue. If you did your homework on this issue, you would know that we should repeal this section. This is an issue that we should and could be talking about for a long time, and we will for a long time. Can we talk about the condition? Let me explain to you why that's devastating. Beto O'Rourke's number one political accomplishment is losing to Ted Cruz, who had previously liked pornography on his Twitter. It's not exactly a sterling resume. But the reason why he's exciting to certain people in the Democratic sphere is that he's a former representative from El Paso, Texas. That's a border town. I don't know if you guys have noticed over the past few years, but the border has become a major immigration issue. If you have a young candidate that can speak articulately, uh, articulately, what a fucking word to fuck up. Uh, <laughs> I can speak articulately on the issue. You can blunt a major strength of the eventual opponent in Donald Trump. However, <laughs> if you don't appear to be the person that is most in control of the immigration issue on stage, then that's a problem. Now, maybe it's not a bad problem if it's to an Elizabeth Warren, if it's to a Joe Biden, if it's to a Bernie Sanders. But he got his ass kicked by Julian Castro. Now, many of you might be asking, as I'm sure 15 million people were, who? <laughs> he is the former Housing and Urban Development Secretary under Obama. He is also from Texas. So he not only was not able to understand and articulate what was best for his immigration policy to the rest of the stage, he wasn't even the best dude in his own state. And if that's the case, then Beto, it might be time to pack your Libros and go home. <laughs> there was one moment that everybody remembers from the debate, though. And that was the technical snafu. This happened after the commercial break. It was like halftime. They switched out their moderators. I know, look, I mean, the president tweeted about it and made fun of the tech people. I'm not going to make fun of the tech people. These things happen. God forbid we were to have a technical problem here. We would all have to understand. Everybody just looked at John. Real. <laughs> You know, you would, you, would, you would understand, like, I, I don't want to jinx that. I don't want to do that. And I feel bad for everybody up on stage. Mostly for this reason. Because during that mic outage, our moderator, Chuck Todd, asked a question. He then re-asked a question 
They then went to commercial, and he asked the question a third time. Now, if it's something about a marginal tax rate, ah, whatever. It would really be awful if it was a really, really, really awkward question. Less than 50 miles from Parkland, Florida, where 17 people were killed in a school shooting last year, and where there has been significant activism on gun violence ever since. Many of you are calling for a restoration of an assault weapons ban, but even if implemented, there will still be hundreds of millions of guns in this country. Should there be a role for the federal government? Your other mics are on. Uh, everybody's mics are on. I, I think we have a, I heard that too, that's okay. I think we had a little mic builds. issue in the back. Control room, we've got We have the, I think audio. we heard, yeah, we have the audience on. All right. So the question is simply this, we're, ta we're from, I apologize, you guys didn't get to hear this, uh, the first part of the question. Obviously, we're not far from Parkland, Florida. Uh, gun activism has become uh, a big part of high school life up yeah. there in Broward County. Many of you are calling for tighter gun restrictions. Some of you are calling for the restoration of the assault weapons ban. But even if it's put in place, there's still going to be perhaps hundreds of millions of guns still on the streets. Is there a role for the federal government in order to play in order to get these guns off the streets. <laughs> we are, What's happening? We are hearing our colleagues' audio. I, if the control room can turn off the mics. Yeah, if the, if the control room can turn off the mics of our previous moderators, we will. I think it's the prior moderators. You know, we That's That's it. Ladies and gentlemen, that was night one. Night one of the two nights of debates. I thought Warren, Warren did a really good job. I think Booker actually wound up doing a really good job. Uh, and, and Tulsi Gabbard actually, I think, uh, had, had a good showing. Tulsi, Tulsi crew here in the, uh, in the audience tonight. But that brings us to night two, the night of the heavyweights. If only one of the top five polling candidates was in the first night, that means four has to be in night two. We got Biden. We got Bernie. We got Harris. We got Buttigieg. And then we got a bunch of other people. Now, I thought after night one, I thought after night one that we were going to have a kind of easy night for Joe Biden. To be honest with you, I did. I thought it was going to be an easy night. I thought that... For NBC, they were like, look, it's very early in the game. Let's make this more about some of the other candidates. Let's feed some softballs to the you know, highest polling uh, uh, candidates. Let's, let's let them kind of cruise a little bit and everybody else can have some time to shine. I thought Biden was going to be fine, but there was a moment. There was a moment very early on where I knew something was up. I knew that Biden was off his game. As we all know, Joe Biden derives his strength from one thing, sniffing other people's hair. <laughs> and so I saw when he was looking at Bernie Sanders like this, <laughs> he was low. <laughs> you, can just, you can just see it on his face. He's like, God damn it, man. I don't know how I'm gonna make it through. Any port in a storm. 
Bernie, let me get here to that wispy shit. Get over here. <laughs> Mayor Pete did a good job. Mayor Pete did a really good job. This was him starting off. Jose Diaz Ballard, who did the first hour in both nights, loves having candidates speak Spanish. It's like his favorite shit to do. In fact, I'm sure he was pissed off that Beto just did it for no reason. He was like, fuck you, that's my thing. <laughs> so this is him talking to Mayor Pete. Gets off on a good, uh, on a good foot for Mayor Pete. You, I, I want to say hello and good evening, buenas noches to uh, Mayor uh, Buttigieg. Buenas noches, gracias de invitarnos. Gusto verlo, caballero. Many of your colleagues on stage. Look at that face. You know right behind those eyes that the thought is, hey, Beto, not all gringos, pendejo. <laughs> Kamala Harris was the star of the second night. Any Kamala Harris fans here? Man, I know not everybody clapped because she had to arrest at least one of you. <laughs> it's California after all. <laughs> But she had a great night. She had a big night. This was her kind of asserting dominance on the stage, really setting the tone. And political life of this country. These issues that have been better Senator Harris, Senator Harris, Mary, Senator Harris I'm so sorry. We will let all of you speak. Senator, Senator Harris. Senator Harris. Please, we will let you all speak. Senator Harris. You can't afford to wait for evolution on these issues. Hey, guys, you know what? America does not want to witness a food fight. They want to know how we're going to put food on their table. It's a good line. Big applause for Kamala Harris. They really, really, really set the tone. Now you watch enough of these debates, and I watch a lot of debates. It's my, it's one of, I'm very weird. Like I, I watched like so many debates that after a certain point, you can actually like finish certain candidates' sentences whether or not they really say the words, you just know what they really mean to say. You can hear their thoughts, it's weird. So I'm gonna play this, I'm gonna play this once, and then you guys try to figure out what he wants to say, all right? This is Bernie Sanders. You know, Mike. Anybody? Did anybody get it? Anybody get it? No? No? Okay. You didn't, you didn't get it? Okay, okay, okay. Now, I'm going to tell you what I know he was thinking in his head. All right? I'm going to tell you what came right after you know Mike in his head so you guys know my, my political acumen, and then the next time you will know. Maybe I can impart some of this wisdom. This is what I believe was in Bernie Sanders' head right after you know Mike. You know, Mike. Fuck you. <laughs> I told you, I've watched a lot of debates. <laughs> Just instinct. 
Some of the smaller candidates, uh, it's hard. It is a gift and a curse being up on this stage. Eric Swalwell is one of those candidates. He's another single-issue candidate. He's somebody that is running primarily on gun control. That is his big issue. Every single thing that he does, he talks about gun control, gun control, gun control. But it's hard to get a word in edgewise because even though you're going to be exposed to 19 million people, you're not going to get a lot of talking time. You're not going to get a lot of questions asked of you because of where you're polling. So, uh, number one, familiarize yourself with who Eric Swalwell is. That's him during the debates. He's wearing an orange tie. But I want to do a little silent, uh, a little silent play. He doesn't say anything, or maybe he says a few things, but uh, uh, this is, he's not going to get any talking time. I just want you to watch his body language, and then in your head, just pin down exactly when his soul dies. All right, in this clip, just go. He's going he's gonna to be on the edge, but you're going to see him as his soul dies. Here we go. The insurance company right, is missing. On this issue, we have to think about how this affects real people and the reality of how this affects real people. Right there. Right there. Many of us heard, and I will paraphrase. There is any. This is soon, as soon as he goes and looks, he like looks, he's like. Oh shit, I'm fucked up. Uh. It's hard. It's hard. All right. Let's get to the big, the heavy hitters here. Joe Biden. Who's a fan of Joe Biden? Anybody? Any Biden heads here? Who knew the best joke of the night was any Biden supporters here? <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't blame you. He had a bad night. It is a bad night for Joe Biden. We're not even going to do the thing that everybody knows. I'm going to show you a clip that hasn't really gotten a lot of press. Joe Biden is a polished politician. Joe Biden like many po polished politicians, knows that you need to order your points. All your points need to come in some kind of order. You need to say, all right, well, there's three things, and then you say it. So this is what he's going to do right here. He's going to say, I have a, uh, there's three things we need to talk about. So I need everybody right now, hold up your hand. I need you to put one in the air as soon as he says, uh, uh, here's one, right? So put it down now, but just when we're, we're going to test. As soon as he said uh, it makes his first point, everybody raise your hand with one in the air. All right, let's, all right, one, two, three. There we go. Now you're going to keep it up. And then when he does two, you just raise a second finger. When he does three, you raise a third finger. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Ladies and gentlemen, Joe Biden. But here's the deal. The deal is that he's right about three things. Number one they, in fact, contribute to the well-being of the country, but they also, for example, they've increased the lifespan of Social Security because they're, they have a job, they're paying a Social Security tax. That's what they're doing. It's increased the lifespan. They would do the same thing in terms of reducing the overall cost of health care by them being able to be treated and not wait till they're an extremist. The other thing is, folks, look, we can deal with these insurance companies. We can deal with the insurance companies by, number one, putting insurance executives in jail for their misleading 
they're, they're misleading advertising, what they're doing on opioids, what they're doing paying doctors to prescribe. We should we could be doing this by making sure everyone who is on Medicare that the government should be able to negotiate the price for whatever whatever the drug costs are. We can do this by making Sorry. sure that we're in a position that we in fact allow people. Joe Biden's getting old, baby. He's getting old. He's getting old and he sounded old. <laughs> but the fact that he wasn't able to get to three gives me permission to play you one of my favorite clips of all time. Folks, let me tell you, take you back to the halcyon days of 2011 as I reintroduce you to Rick Perry trying to count to three. It's three agencies of government when I get there that are gone. Commerce, education, and the, um, uh, what's the third one there? Let's see. EPA? EPA, there you go. No, okay. Let's talk, let's talk deposition. Seriously? Um, Is EPA no, the one you were talking about? Or? No, sir. You that. can't name the third one? The third agency of government, yeah. I, would, I would do away with the education, uh, the uh, <laughs> commerce. I, I, commerce, and let's see. I can't. The third one, I can't. Sorry. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Oops. Oops. I think he runs the agency that he forgot now, <laughs> by the way. Again, Kamala Harris had a great night. Kamala Harris, uh, uh, she had, she had a, a really, really good moment. And let me explain to you why it's got. I don't just make fun of politicians. I don't know why that was so defensive. I, I this was a really great line by Kamala Harris. Here we go. Private detention centers. And I will ensure that the, the, this microphone that the President of the United States holds in her hand is used in a way that is about reflecting the values of our country and not about locking children up, separating them from their That was really, really, really good, and I'll explain to you why. <laughs> or whatever, just watching the Joe Biden thing, I just wanted to go, number one. <laughs> Any woman that wants to win the presidency in 2020 is going to have to do a very effective job of erasing the memory of Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton not only was uh, not a, thank you, was not uh, somebody who was very popular amongst progressives, moderates, and conservatives, but you also have to erase the trauma of really, really, really big fans of Hillary Clinton who got their hopes really, really high and then had them dashed at the last minute. This is something that you need to work toward. And you can't just come out and say, hey, fuck Hillary Clinton, because then that alienates you amongst the people that really liked her. So you gotta be artful about it. One thing that Hillary Clinton did throughout her campaign was put her gender very, very forward 
I'm with her was one of her campaign slogans. She held her big, uh, uh, what she thought was going to be her victory event in the Javits Center because it had a gigantic glass ceiling that she could talk about breaking the highest, hardest glass ceiling one last time. This was something that she used to her advantage in that campaign. So if you are trying your best to artfully separate yourself from that campaign. And boy, now that that's not that. This is this. We are doing something differently than you can do what Kamala Harris did. With one pronoun, she packed in all of that artifice, all of that uh, sentiment, all of that uh, excitement. She packed it all down and it wasn't the point. It wasn't the punchline. She still went on to talk about other things she just casually mentioned in her hands. Short. Brevity is the soul of wit. Nobody wants to be pandered to. But everyone loves a panda. <laughs> Biden could knock it out of the mud all night. He couldn't. Best he tried. Tried to do it. Couldn't do it. This is Biden on a roll, and then for whatever reason, he gets derailed. The idea that he's in court with his Justice Department saying children in cages do not need a bed, do not need a blanket, do not need a toothbrush, that is outrageous. Vice President, the Obama-Biden administration was... The uh, Obama-Biden administration deported more than three million Americans. My question to you is if an individual is living in the United States of America without doc. <laughs> He's like, fuck, Jose, come on. I was on a roll. <laughs> Man, if I knew Spanish curse words, that's like, that's all he's thinking right now. Here's another one of these single-issue candidates. He actually might have some fans in here. Do we have any Yang gang in the house? Oh, there's a little clap. A little clap. Andrew Yang. Andrew Yang is running for president. Andrew Yang uh, is a kind of off-the-board single-issue candidate. He is uh, uh, championing what he calls the freedom dividend. He says that automation is taking jobs at a rapid rate, and it's only going to accelerate that AI will make this something that we cannot get back. And so he says that we should have a freedom dividend. The companies that are making automation more and more uh, a part of our lives should be taxed higher. And every single American, if you are a citizen, you should get $1,000 a month in your bank account from the government, no questions asked. Doesn't matter how rich you are, how poor you are, 1000 a month, Right there. This has attracted for Andrew Yang a very specific kind of fan base. One might call the meme lords. So this was an unofficial campaign, uh, campaign song that Andrew Yang is now using officially in his social media. Yeah, I want a thousand a month, a thousand a month, I want a thousand a month, a thousand a month, let's get this bread, freedom dividend, are all y'all paying attention, automation gonna sweep the nation, unless we get 
2020 freedom dividend Yang gang, 2020 Yang gang, 2020 Uh, he sucked on night two. Uh, I thought he was going to do better. He didn't do great. Uh, I only got one clip of Andrew Yang. I'm going to play it for you. This is, this, is one of, this is kind of a technical thing that you really have to understand, like kind of public speaking to understand, but I'm going I'm to spell out exactly what happens. As you've seen with a lot of these candidates, they know when to stop when there's an applause, right? They know that it looks good when a whole room of people is applauding for you. That no matter what, you could have the coolest thing in your head to say, don't say it. People are applauding. Andrew Yang did not have that kind of discipline. Mostly because he really wanted to say, laughing their asses off. And I don't blame him. Because in all the debates I've watched, I don't know if I've ever heard the phrase, laughing their asses off, said on a presidential debate stage. But this is Andrew Yang killing his own applause because he really wanted to say the word ass. Against it. Well, I just want to agree that I think Russia is our greatest geopolitical threat because they've been hacking our democracy successfully and they've been laughing their asses off about it for the last couple of years. So we should focus on that before we start worrying about. <laughs> That's sad. <laughs> I Here was a weird moment. This is a very weird moment that happened. An odd moment. An interesting moment. Mayor Pete. Mayor Pete fans? Any Mayor Pete people? More than Biden. Look at that. <laughs> Mayor Pete actually had, like Biden, a scandal coming into this debate. He is the mayor of South Bend, Indiana. He's really microwaved a very successful campaign for him to, to, to the tune of the fact that he was one of the five that were polling the highest going into this. But in South Bend, Indiana, there was a shooting. White police officers shot a black citizen. Mayor Pete canceled a bunch of his campaign events to come back to South Bend, Indiana to try to deal with the controversy. And many people said he didn't do a great job. So this debate was a huge test for him. Now he has to answer for what has become a national story in South Bend, Indiana, in front of the entire world. And in my opinion, he did a very, very, very good job. But the moment that I want to talk about is what happens after this. <laughs> Go ahead and listen to what uh, Governor John Hickenlooper of Colorado says immediately after uh, Mayor Pete wraps up his comments on the shooting. And I am determined to bring about a day when a white person driving a vehicle and a black person driving a vehicle, when they see a police officer approaching, feels the exact same yeah. thing. A feeling not of fear, but of safety. I am determined That's to bring time. that day about. Mayor. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. If I could ask one, one question, just because I think... Governor, I'll give you 30 seconds. I think that uh, the question they're asking in South Bend, I think in cities across the country, is why has it taken so long? Uh, we had a shooting when I first became mayor, 10 years before Ferguson. <laughs> now, if I were running Governor Hickenlooper's campaign, and he asked, hey, when Mayor Pete brings up his shooting, should I initiate a dick measuring contest 
about how fast I quelled a racial shooting? <laughs> and should I be kind of smiling about it when I talk about a racial shooting that happened in a place that I was the mayor? I would tell him, in my professional opinion, Governor Hickenlooper, it's a weird flex. <laughs> but okay. <laughs> All right, let's get into the big moment. We all know what happened. I mean, if you're watching me talk about this shit, then we'll get to her. We'll get to her. That's just the, that's just the initial screen grab. I got a lot on Marianne Williamson. This is the big moment. The moment when Kamala Harris made it real. Made it real for Joe Biden. Let's go ahead and take a look has not been the subject of some form of profiling or discrimination. Growing up, my sister and I had to deal with the neighbor who told us her parents couldn't play with us because, she, because we were black. And I will say also that, that in this campaign, we've also heard, and I'm going to now direct this at Vice President Biden, um, I do not believe you are a racist. And I agree with you when you commit yourself to the importance of finding common ground. But I also believe, and it is personal, and I was actually very, it was hurtful to hear you talk about the reputations of two United States senators who built their reputations and career on the segregation of race in this country. And it was not only that, but you also worked with them to oppose busing. And, you know, there was a little girl in California who was part of the second class to integrate her public schools. And she was bused to school every day. And that little girl was me. Don't worry, Biden heads. <laughs> don't worry, don't worry, Joe Biden, old stalwart of the Senate, a man who's campaigned for two presidential campaigns, when he was vice president, please don't pay attention to the times where he did it when he was president. He knows, he knows how to handle this. Come on. This whole thing with, with, with the two senators happened a week ago. He had to know as soon as he found out that he was going to be on stage with Kamala Harris, that it was going to be Kamala Harris that was going to bring this up. He had to be drilled. He had to know exactly what to say. So let's go ahead and take a look at how Joe Biden handled it. President Biden, do you agree today? Do you agree today that you were wrong to oppose busing in America? Then? No, do you agree? I did not oppose busing in America. What I opposed is busing ordered by the Department of Education. That's what I opposed. Well, I there did was not a failure of, of states to, to integrate no, public schools in America. I was part of the, the second class to integrate Berkeley, the, California public schools almost two decades after Brown v. Board of Education. Because your city council made that decision. It was so a local decision. So that's where the federal government must step the, in. The that's why we have the Voting Rights Act and the Civil Rights Act. That's why we need to pass the Equality Act. That's why we need to pass the ERA, because that's there are moments in history where states 
fail to preserve the civil rights of I all people. I have supported the okay, ERA from the very beginning when Vice I ran President for the Biden, 30 seconds, because I want to bring you know, other people into this. I supported the ERA from the very beginning. I'm the guy that extended the Voting Rights Act for 25 years. We got to the place where we got 98 out of 98 votes in the United States Senate doing it. I've also argued very strongly that we, in fact, deal with the notion of denying people access to the ballot box. I agree that everybody, once they, in fact, they should, anyway, my time's up. I'm sorry. Thank you, Vice President. Let me break down in minute sand grain detail. What a fuck up that was. <laughs> Joe Biden has been a politician for four decades. Joe Biden could have easily looked at Kamala Harris and said, Kamala, or Senator Harris, probably Senator Harris. <laughs> you are an amazing politician. I'm very, very excited that you were in the Senate and I can see in your fire, your passion, uh, and everything that you have brought to this stage tonight that you are going to be somebody who will benefit this country for decades to come. You are going to be somebody that is going to have a legacy that I hope rivals and exceeds mine. Because I have been at work on this for 40 years. I have moved civil rights forward for 40 years. Now look, we can look at every little piece of gravel that has been laid behind and we can question exactly how it's shaped, but the road stands and it's a road that I look forward to walking with you on when I am president. That would have been what we like to call in the political world, pivoting. <laughs> Going from a argument you can't win to one you can win. As we've seen, Joe Biden decided to not do that. Joe Biden instead decided to argue about a yes or no vote that took place when Bewitched was in its first season. <laughs> and his out was, I voted for states' rights on a civil rights issue. And by the way, by the way, they're still arguing about this. His press secretary is doing interviews where they're still fighting about his vote on busing. This is a colossal fuck-up. And wait, there's more. Because not only after he decides to make that the issue they're going to fight on, he then actually recovers a little bit. He looks dead in the camera and he starts to talk about his record. He starts to talk about how he is somebody that is going to be there for civil rights because he has been there for civil rights. And then he surrenders his time to the almighty and powerful Chuck Todd. It looks like my time is up, was his quote. And if you keep getting your ass kicked like that, you're goddamn right. <laughs> All right, let's get to Marion Williamson. <laughs> Marion Williamson is a kook. She's an anti-vaxxer. She's an author. She's an anti-vaxxer. <laughs> she knows Oprah. She's an anti-vaxxer. 
I don't know if that's been mentioned enough. <laughs> uh, <laughs> look, this is just my favorite meme. This is literally just an unedited version of her uh, closing statements enhanced with the Twin Peaks soundtrack. Donald Trump is not going to be beaten just by insider politics talk. He's not going to be beaten just by somebody who has plans. He's going to be beaten by somebody who has an idea what this man has done. This man has reached into the psyche of the American people and he's harnessed fear for political purposes. So Mr. President, if you're listening, I want you to hear me please. You have harnessed fear for political purposes and only love can cast that out. So I, sir, I have a feeling you know what you're doing. I'm going to harness love for political purposes. I will meet you on that field, and sir, love you. All right. I'm going to pre-apologize to every single one of you that came out here tonight. Man, you took time out of your day. You came out here on a Saturday night to watch my show, and I appreciate it. But unfortunately, I'm going to have to brand your brains. I'm going to have to show you something that you will never be able to unsee. I do a newsletter, a political newsletter called the Free Political Newsletter. You can get it at freepoliticalnewsletter.com. And I will give credit, although I can't remember his name, (laughs) 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 to a reader who wrote in just one simple sentence. A simple sentence I can't forget, and I have to show you (laughs) right now. That sentence, dear audience, read as follows. Marianne Williamson looks like Michael Jackson. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, come on! It's uncanny, the cheekbones, the chin, the nose. And the funny thing is, the funny thing is, that considering Marianne Williams' stance on vaccines, she's more of a danger to kids. <laughs> All right, I got one more Marianne Williams in there. <laughs> I got one more, I got one more. Marianne Williamson was asked, along with every single other candidate, How would you prioritize your administration? They made the point that Barack Obama came in. He had a tremendous mandate. He said he wanted to get two things done in his first term, and that was health care and climate change. He only got to health care. So if you were going to order what you wanted to do, how would you order it? A lot of the other candidates had regular-ass answers. Gun control, climate change, tax cuts. This was Marianne Williamson's answer. Williamson My first last call word. is to the Prime Minister of New Zealand, who said that her goal is to make New Zealand the place where it's the best place in the world for a child to grow up. And I will tell her girlfriend you are so on, because the United States of America is going thank to be you. the best place in the world for a child to grow up. Ms. You know, we are going thank to you. Have you guys were close with the... Not climate change, not health care, not tax cuts. The first thing that she is going to do, her number one legislative agenda is to crank call New Zealand. (laughs) Jerky boys diplomacy. (laughs) Now, by the way, 
The reason why a lot of the quotes from these uh, New Zealand prime minister that have uh, gained a lot of traction is because New Zealand had recently suffered a tremendous shooting. It was something that was a huge news story. And after the shooting, New Zealand took a lot of steps on gun control. So that is why a lot of these quotes that this was going to be the country that uh, uh, kids would be best to grow up in went viral. So what Marianne Williamson is saying is that the day that President Williamson steps into the Oval Office, she picks up that phone, she dials the Prime Minister in New Zealand, and she says, girlfriend, <laughs> our kids can beat your kids. Because our kids still have guns. Uh. <laughs> it's fucked up, but whatever. She's an anti-vaxxer. Fuck her. All right, one last thing. One last clip. One last clip on night two. Mayor Pete is young. Mayor Pete is a young man. He did his best to stab all the old men on stage with this final comment. Experience of guiding a community where the per capita income was below $20,000 when I took office into a brighter future. I'm running because the decisions we make in the next three or four years are gonna decide how the next 30 or 40 go. And when I get to the current age of the current president in the year 2055, I wanna be able to look back on these years and say my generation delivered climate solution. Now mind you that both Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders are around the same age as the current president. In fact, I think they're both older. Uh, you know that it's a complex joke when you got to do math to realize exactly how bad you got burnt. <laughs> and that's night two, ladies and gentlemen. That is night two of the presidential debates. So, predictions. I'm going to give you my predictions. This is, uh, this, this is going to be the fallout. Number one. I think Beto's toast. Beto is Beto is uh, uh, absolutely toast. He is somebody that, uh, you know, there's already reports that he's had uh, calls with his donors, with his uh, team. There are now rumors going around that maybe he drops out and runs for Senate in uh, Texas against a candidate that didn't like pornography on his official Twitter account. But again, if you can't own immigration, then you have to really seriously ask the question, what's the point of a Beto? Biden, I don't think is fucked. I don't think he's fucked. He had an awful night last night, and it was legitimately bad. In fact, one of his major donors out here in San Francisco uh, made a big point to say that he was dropping out and he was not, no longer funding uh, Joe Biden because he uh, is, is, is somebody that doesn't think that he can carry the torch. However... Joe Biden's base is a lot of very moderate suburbanites, but also another subsection, and that is black voters. Nobody dominates black voters like Joe Biden does. So in a world where he does get Thanos snapped out of existence, that's like 47% of black primary voters that now will be divvied up. And two candidates that did do well on night one in Cory Booker and Kamala Harris that have in the low single digits of black voter support, despite being black, could be gigantic beneficiaries of that, depending on who seems more electable. And that's a key word because there was a little bit of emperor's new clothes with Joe Biden. The one thing that really can hurt him is electability, because if you just got your ass kicked 
by Kamala Harris? How are you going to handle Donald Trump? And if we don't think you can do that, then you got to start asking the question, what's the point of a Biden? So with that being said, uh, I think we have about five minutes. Uh, uh, if there's any uh, questions, I know for whatever reason with, with politics stuff, everybody always has like uh, questions. I think I saw somebody in the back that like raised their hand. No, was that not that? Uh, all right. Yeah, we, we, do, we, do, we do have a question here. Hold on. Let me bring the mic on over here. Yes, sir. Hi. What's your question? How old will Bernie Sanders be in 2055? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, you'd have to, to chop down his fossilized state and count the rings. <laughs> he, would, he will be long, long, long past dead at 2055, one would assume, unless there's tremendous different, uh, uh, you know, extensions in life. Uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, yeah, no, he's going to be really fucking old. He's going to probably be dead. All right. 113. Who's the oldest living person, John? Will he be the oldest living person? And will he be more viable than Beto still? <laughs> All right. You, you, sir. 116. All right. So, yeah, slacker. Joe, uh, uh, Bernie Sanders in 2055. Go ahead. Who do I think has the best chance of beating Trump? I believe that it's probably either Kamala Harris or Mayor Pete for these reasons. I think that I should have just said Mayor Pete. It's pride. Fuck. Uh, no, I, I, uh, I, I do think that they're a, it's very hard to beat a sitting president. I think, and this is going to be unpopular to say in San Francisco on a Saturday night, but uh, in a good economy, beating a sitting president is almost impossible. It's very, very hard to do. So if you're going to do it, it can't just be a, let me sit down and think about uh, who I'm going to vote for. Hmm, weigh pros and cons. It's got to be Beatlemania. It's got to be like, oh, my God, this is the moment. I'm buying all the commemorative plates that I'm going to show my grandchild that I cast this vote. Like what happened with Obama in 2008. Obama was, was a master at understanding, harnessing the fact that there had to be a moment. So where are the two moments and who are the two most effective people to wield it? I, I, I think... Elizabeth Warren is a tremendous candidate, but I think for whatever reason, Kamala Harris is a bit more of an explosive personality that will catch people uh, uh, in a way that says this is a revolution. And I think that Mayor Pete is somebody that is very, very, very managed and understands exactly how the first gay president gets elected. Whether or not it's him, I think he gets the idea that he has to be a moderate Democrat who is very boring. Like, look at his social media. Whenever he shows anything of him, it's, it's like, it's not what you're going to see tomorrow during the parade, right? Nary a cocksock in sight in any of the first gay president's uh, social media. It is him and his husband, like, half asleep with their dog, like, reading a book that is, like, longer than the Encyclopedia Britannica. 
It's like, like, oh, uh, exciting night. And it's just them like playing Parcheesi. Like, it is very wholesome. It is very Midwestern. I think that that's smart. And also, uh, winning an election means surviving scandals. And he, I think, nationally survived the scandal that he did. There's no such thing as an easy run for president. In fact, I think we can say from 2016, steering into the skid oftentimes is, is more of a, a, a positive thing. All right, I think we have one more question. Kishore, how you doing? Uh, all right, so the, the, the question was, that there's a big push for a climate debate. Is that a good idea? Yeah, I do think it's a good idea. Uh, uh, I think that the Democratic electorate cares primarily, if, if you see where the excitement is, it is around Medicare for All and a Green New Deal. Uh, that's where a lot of people are, are, are pumped. So if you're going to talk about it, then you should. Now, that being said, <laughs> I think that what, when we have a climate debate, you are probably going to uh, uh, have more talking points than you will actual scientific discussion, uh, but that's politics. Uh, it's going to be all about the positions. I mean, really, a climate debate will de facto become an economics debate if it becomes a, a political football because no one's going to get up there and say, I don't know, man, just wear shorts like uh, to climate change. <laughs> like, no one's going to do that. So they're all gonna talk about, okay, well then, how much money should we spend? And that effectively becomes a talk about budgets and stuff like that, which, uh, you know, some candidates, the, the candidates that are gonna be, get the most rewarded are the ones that are gonna say, all the money! There's no such thing as an amount of money that we should not spend immediately right now on every possible climate change thing at all. And then someone's gonna say, well, I don't know. Maybe if we just spent Oh, uh, seventy trillion billion dollars, and then someone else is going to say, "Cheapskate, you're killing all of us." So, all right, yeah, I don't know. I, I reversed my position. It's bad. It's a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> I just fucking like Stephen Strange, just like peered into the future, and I'm like, "Yeah, no, they all suck." Yeah, no, bad idea. Uh, all right, no, no, there was there was one more. We can do we can do one more quick. Were you raising your hand? Yeah. Oh, shit. All right. This is a great one. Okay. So with everything in mind, what's the funniest mispronunciation of uh, mispronunciation? <laughs> Probably didn't need the second beer. <laughs> what's the funniest mispronunciation of booty judge? Number one, that's like bullshit, right? Because he says it's boot boot edge or boot edge edge, right? I really like booty judge. Like I like getting the Y in on booty judge. And by the way, that's another like kind of like Obama, like a stealth Obama thing. The fact that like the first black president was Barack Hussein Obama when we had like been in war with Iraq and stuff like that. That Mayor Pete is Mayor Booty Judge. Mayor of South Bend, Indiana. <laughs> like, if you can get over that, that's some real boy named Sue shit. I'm just saying. Uh, I, I'm I'm going to go with Booty Judge, like, which I, I I think is almost at this point a term of endearment. I just like 
I don't know, him like flashing cheeks out of like a judge's robe or some shit. Like, you know. <laughs> That's the end of the show. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to remind you that politics has three names. Some shows talk about politics. Some shows talk about politics. And I heard a show the other night that talked about politics. But right here at Piano Fight in San Francisco, California, we're the one that talks about all three. Thank you. Let's go drink at the bar. Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>